There's an early Christian document that was, uh, it's known as the epistle, the epistle to uh, Diognetus. The epistle to Diognetus. I actually quoted from this once before. Uh, it's believed to have been written by a man named Athanagras. And uh, in one important section, the author of this letter describes how Christians are, are alike and also how they're different from each other. And the difference between Christians and the rest of mankind uh, is not a matter of, of nationality or language or customs. Uh, Christians do not live in separate cities of their own, speak any special dialect, nor practice any eccentric way of life. They pass their lives in whatever township, Greek or foreign, each man's lot has determined, and to conform to ordinary local usage in their clothing, diet, and other habits. Nevertheless, the organization of their community does exhibit some features that are remarkable and even surprising. For instance, they are, or though they're residents at home in their countries, their behavior is uh, more like transients. Though destiny has placed them here in the flesh, they do not live after the flesh. Their days are passed on earth, but their citizenship is in heaven. They obey the pre- prescribed laws, but in their own private lives, they transcend the laws. They show love to all men, and all men persecute them. They are misunderstood and condemned, yet by suffering death, they are quickened into life. They are poor, yet making many rich, lacking all things, yet having all things in abundance. They repay curses with blessings and abuse with courtesy. And for the good they do, they suffer stripes as evildoers. So this, this was the life of a Christian in the, uh, the first century, the second century, uh, Roman Empire. And uh, today, in today's text, Jesus gives his disciples a forward look as to what they were to experience as his followers. And in many parts of the world, uh, the life of a Christian is still a life of hardship and, and persecution and sometimes even death. And so today we're, we're, we're continuing our study in uh, the Sermon on the Mount. We spent the last two times uh, looking at the uh, Beatitudes, and we're finishing up the, uh, the Beatitudes today. Let's read the, read the last two, which uh, address the, the life of persecution, uh, starting in Matthew 5, verse 10. Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Lord, I just ask that you would uh, penetrate our, our hearts this morning. Lord, let your, let your word uh, sink in and, and change us and transform us. Lord, teach us what you would want us to know this morning and take us where you would want us to go. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's look at this first verse, uh, verse 10, about the persecuted. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I'd, re- I'd like to look first at what Jesus is, is really saying here. Persecuted for, for righteousness sake. What does this mean? 
The word that's translated righteousness means the quality or characteristics of upright behavior, uprightness, righteousness. You know, Jesus is talking about being persecuted for for doing the right thing. The word also carries the meaning of of justice and equitableness and, and fairness. Jesus is talking in verse 10 about being mistreated because you're doing the right thing. Being persecuted and, and reproached because you, you stand up for what is right and for what is good. Isaiah 5.20 says, let me, let me get back to that in a sec. Of course, you know, some people have a, sorry about it. Some people have a misguided view of what is, what is good and what is right. You know, it, it would, it would seem that, uh, you know, what, what I consider right to, to maybe somebody else is wrong and vice versa. You know, how do, how do we know? You know, sometimes, sometimes what uh, we consider to be our righteousness might really not be God's righteousness. And, you know, Jesus, Jesus is not saying, uh, blessed are you, happy are you, when you, when you stand up for what you think is right, necessarily. And uh, here, here's an example. I think this is very, uh, very apropos here. I've been reading news this week about uh, the decision of the United States Supreme Court uh, to overturn Roe versus Wade. And I, I got an email message from one ministry that... Uh, quoted from a, a memo from the Department of Homeland Security which warned of threats that are being circulated. Uh, this is what it says. Some of the threats discuss burning down or storming the U.S. Supreme Court and murdering justices and their clerks, member of Congress, and lawful demonstrators. You know, these, these people, in, in, in their minds, they think they're doing the right thing. And when they, when they are arrested, you know, they may feel that they're being persecuted for what they consider is, is right. And it didn't take much of a search to find that really this, over this last week, scores of pregnancy centers and uh, Christian ministries uh, have already been vandalized. Uh, they think they're doing the right thing. But in fact, they're the persecutors. Here's Isaiah 520, which, which talks about such people who, who have it backwards. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness and put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Now, this is not a sermon about abortion. Uh, this, this isn't even a political issue. It's not a partisan political issue, though people have made it so. This is, this is a theological issue. This is, this is a God issue. Uh, scripture makes it very clear about uh, how God sees an unborn child. Uh, look at Psalm 139, beginning with verse 13. It says, this is David praying to God. You, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. And the days there were formed for me, 
when as yet there were none of them. That's a beautiful passage. And it talks about how, you know, this is David praying. God, God knew David as he was, as his, as he was being formed in his, his mother's womb, just as every, every other one of us. And the point of the, the point is this, uh, the, the judges and the, the workers in the pregnancy ministries have, have stood up for justice. They've, they have stood up for what is right. Uh, you know, these, these people, uh, many if not most are, are volunteers. Uh, they, they spend their time working for what is, is right. And uh, now they face an angry and, and violent uh, population. But God requires us to do what is right. Uh, Micah, eight, Micah 6.8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good and what the Lord does require of you to do justice and to love kindness and walk humbly with your God. But Jesus says, if you stand up for justice and if you stand up for what's right, you can expect to be persecuted. And he said... He says, happy are you, blessed are you when, when this happens. We all know there are, there are countries where uh, followers of, of Christ uh, can be imprisoned for their, their faith, even, even put to death. Uh, they can lose jobs. They can uh, be uh, estranged from, from their families. Yeah, we're, we're very blessed to live in a country where we can openly uh, speak of our faith Oh, we we can, go, we can go out after this and, and go to downtown and talk to everybody we see about our Lord. And we don't have to worry about being imprisoned or killed or, or tortured. But our, our culture is becoming increasingly antagonistic to, to Christ and, and the faith and, and the gospel. And we may encounter a criticism or, or maybe ridicule when we talk to people about the Lord. You know, there, there may be instances where, where people just absolutely hate us and, and despise us because we, we have chosen to follow Christ. And um, Jesus in 5, John fifteen nineteen through 20 reminds us, we're not of the world. He says, I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. This is something we can expect. Jesus said we shouldn't be surprised. And of course, though, if we're persecuted, we need to ask ourselves why. You know, there, there are some Christians who, who have a persecution complex and they're, they're energized by, by maltreatment. Uh, they they bring it on themselves for the wrong reasons. You know, Jesus did not say, treat people with malice, uh, needle people, give them a hard time, irritate them and provoke them so that they'll hate you and say bad things about you. He didn't say that. You know, if people are offended, they should be offended by the cross. They should be offended by the gospel of Jesus Christ, which cuts across their uh, intellectual pride you know, if, if, if people are offended, it should be because of, of Jesus Christ and his righteousness. 
Something else I find interesting, and I, I mentioned this in a previous sermon that uh, Jesus taught this this same material in a different place and stated it a little differently. Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, it's uh, the Sermon on the Plains. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus at another time spoke to his disciples on the plains. And, you know, here in Matthew, Jesus said, blessed are you and persecuted. But uh, in the Sermon on the Plain, Jesus says, woe to you when, when all people speak well of you. For so their fathers did to the false prophets. It's a different twist, isn't it? You know, if we're persecuted for righteousness' sake, we should expect to be persecuted. If people speak well of us, we need to ask ourselves why. Maybe maybe we're compromising the gospel. Maybe we're not presenting the, the fullness of, of the gospel. We're also not to be persecuted for our own righteousness. You know, the Bible calls that self-righteousness. Some people bring persecution on themselves because they treat other people with, with contempt because of what they see as, as unrighteousness. And, uh, you know, I'm talking about Christians pronouncing judgment upon the, uh, the unsaved, the people who don't have Jesus, people who have not come to the Lord and, and confessed their sins and uh, believed in Jesus and received him as, as their Savior. You know, should we expect people who don't have God in their lives to live, to live up to biblical standards? The Bible says no. We, we would be putting the cart before the horse if, if we did that, so to speak. You know, a person cannot be righteous without the righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ. And we don't we don't judge the world that's not our job that's christ's job we have no right to elevate ourselves by judging unbelievers we need to point them to jesus christ you you've probably heard it said that we're just we're just beggars telling other beggars where to find the bread Matthew 6, 1, Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you'll have no reward from your Father who's in heaven. This is, he's talking about self-righteousness. Romans ten three says, Being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. So, Jesus does not say, Blessed are you if you have self-righteousness. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. He's speaking about his righteousness. Now, something interesting in uh, the, the first sermon, one of the Beatitudes said, blessed are the uh, poor in spirit, since theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Here, he says, the, the, king of, the kingdom of heaven is, is for the persecuted. You know, really, it, the, it's the same person. You know, the person who is, is seeking God's righteousness is the, the person who is acknowledging his spiritual poverty, his need for, for the Lord. 
Yeah, being poor in spirit, being persecuted for righteousness' sake. The poor in spirit are the ones that know that they, in their own power, can, cannot be acceptable to God. We can't do better and try harder and, and earn his acceptance. We need to receive the Lord Jesus. You know, we sing that song, uh, The Solid Rock, that, that great hymn, which says, my, my hope is built on nothing less than, than Jesus and his righteousness. I, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. You know, Jesus said, seek his kingdom and, and his righteousness. We can't do this when we're seeking our own righteousness. And when we seek his righteousness, we're going to be concerned for the lost, and many won't understand. Many people will be offended by the offer of salvation. You know, many prefer to live their lives apart from God, going their own way, even if it uh, leads to destruction. And some will, some will become angry. Some will persecute the, the bearers of the good news. That's what Jesus is saying, and he's also saying, it's okay. Expect that. If you're, if you're truly seeking my righteousness, you can't go wrong. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we don't enter the kingdom of heaven because we're being persecuted. The persecution is a, a side effect of seeking the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said in, in John that we must be born again that no one will enter the kingdom of heaven without being born of the Spirit. We've been saved by God's grace, by faith, in his righteousness. Well, let's look at the next beatitude. And this one is very similar. It follows the, the same line of thought. In this first one, it was being persecuted because of righteousness, doing the right thing, seeking God's righteousness, now, in this beatitude, Jesus said, you're being persecuted because of me. Not me, but Jesus. In uh, verse 11, he says, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, let's look at a few of these words here. What does it mean to revile? Reviling is, is finding fault in, in others that demeans those others. Uh, reproach, mocking, insulting. Uh, persecuting is, is harassing someone because of their beliefs. Uh, false words, I, I think this is self-explanatory. You know, these, these are untruths. These, these are uh, false accusations. You know, they, they may be blatant lies. They may be half-truths, things that, that distort, distort the truth. They may, they may be uh, words that defame, things that, that are intended to hurt another's reputation and, and mar somebody else's view of, of this person. That's what Jesus is talking about. So why this, why this persecution and reviling and, and, and slander? Jesus says, because of him. 
on his account. Because we're living in obedience to him. Because we're speaking the truth from his word. Because the truth many times offends people. and People don't like to hear it. And Jesus, Jesus points out the prophets were, were treated the same way. We can read through the Bible and, and see this. And you know, here's, here's the interesting thing with this. Who, who are the people who persecuted the prophets? You know, was it, was it the, the pagans around them? No, it was, it was God's own people. People who were supposed to be God's own people were persecuting the prophets. They didn't want to hear the truth. So he's talking about people who are supposed to be God's people. You know, the others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Um, You know, could this happen from, could this come from people who are God's people who claim to be Christians? Um, You know, these should be the last people on, on earth to treat their brothers like this. But, yeah, I don't think there's any uh, man or woman who has visibility in, in ministry who is going to experience uh, a life devoid of, of this kind of persecution and slander and, and reviling. You can look, on, just do a Google on the Internet. Any, any great preacher or, or person in ministry who has visibility just Google them, and you're, probably the first thing that's going to pop up is some slanderous article about them, people accusing them of, of this or that, people seeking to uh, discredit them, people calling them heretics. But Jesus says, expect this. Blessed are you if this, if this happens to you. And, you know, the, the thing is, it's hard to feel blessed and happy when this happens to you. It's, uh, uh, you know, it's horrible. It hurts. And uh, the thing is, if, if we're not careful, we will respond in kind. You know, you, you throw a, a dart at me, I'll throw it right back. And Jesus' emphasis here, his point here is not to do this. Nor, nor to feel like helpless victims. You know, his his point is that we need to realize that God's control, God's in control. God knows what's happening. We need to know that uh, we're not the first person this has happened to. It's happened all along with with God's prophets. Jesus said, "A servant is not greater than his master. If they hate me, they will hate you." Now we can go on and on about ways in which we can suffer wrong. But this isn't about our suffering wrong. It's about the blessing we receive when it does. That's our focus. That's Jesus' focus here. It's on the blessing. You know, he says, he says, ours is the kingdom when this happened. And our reward is great. And we can have joy. Jesus points out that if this happens to you because of him, you are in good company. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. There's a, 
there's a small passage in, uh, in the book of Hebrews which, which talks about how the prophets were treated. Kind of a real brief synopsis. Listen to this. Hebrews eleven thirty five through 38. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they may rise up again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in the skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves on the earth. When we're mistreated and persecuted for Jesus' sake on account of him, you know, it's not right. And, and, and it's not pleasant, but Jesus says, keep an eternal perspective here. Remember when we went in uh, through First Peter, when, when Peter talked about the suffering, you know, it's just, it's just for a while. It's for a short time. You know, look, look to eternity. Have a perspective that gazes into the, to eternity. Know that if you're bringing God's truth to a sinful world, there will be people who treat you the same way that uh, other people in the past have suffered when they've brought forth the truth of God. And know that God will deal with them. It's It's not up to us. Keep an eternal perspective. And Jesus said, if you're, if you're faithful, you know, your, your reward in heaven is great. Rest in him. Know that, you're, know that you're blessed. Remember, the servant on the mount is, is about the kingdom of heaven, the, the kingdom of God, which is ours when we're born of the Spirit. And we've only begun to realize the joys of the kingdom of God. We have not seen it yet in its fullness. And the difficulties we encounter now, they pale by comparison with the treasures that are ours as, as kingdom people. You know, Jesus mentions we, we should rejoice and be glad. This is, this is kind of counter to the way we really tend to think, though. Rejoice and be glad. Our reward is great in heaven. Our reward not only awaits us when we when we see Jesus face to face face to face after this life, but he's with us now. Even now we can we can experience some of the reward. And we're not alone. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so the prophets who've gone before us have experienced uh, great suffering, great persecution. Their, their reward is great. They're with the Lord now. They're with the Lord for eternity. Uh, I, was, I was thinking about this this week. What about those who persecuted them? They, they've kind of faded into irrelevance, haven't they? You know, the book of Hebrews has a whole chapter on these he- heroes of the faith. 
these prophets who suffered for the glory of God. You know, the persecutors only had their moment of of self-glory. Which would you rather be? Who, Who should we seek to glorify? Let's look to Jesus who... Who Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 21 through 23, Jesus suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. But when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. And that's what we need to do, entrust ourselves to, to God, looking to Christ. As, as we close, uh, Thomas Watson, who uh, wrote in the 1600s, he said, set it down as a maxim. If you follow Christ, you will see swords and staves. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.12, behold, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. This is something we need to expect. However, that's a big however. We can be joyful. We have the kingdom of God. We have the king. He's with us. He's in us. And, and we have a great future. Uh, let's, let's persist in doing the right thing. Let's persist in doing what is, is just. Let's, let's follow hard after Christ and look to him, seeking to do his will. Let's, let's strive to do what will please him to do what is good. And as the writer of Hebrews says, let us, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. Um, Lord Jesus, you've, you've taught us and you've given us your, your example. You've given us a perfect example. Uh, we want to follow you, Lord. We want to be like you. We want to endure what is, what is set before us, looking forward with joy to, to that eternal reward. You know, I pray for each person here today, Lord, that... Each of us would, would turn to you and look to you. And if there, if there be one here who's not received you, Lord Jesus, as their Savior and, and believed in you, but to trust in you to, to receive eternal life, Lord, I pray that that person would, would hear your voice today and come to you. And we pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.